Welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Uh, my name is Ben Standing, and I do cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. I'm talking to you guys Tuesday night. We are officially inside the 48-hour mark before the NFL draft, which kicks off Thursday. Obviously, Washington has the 19th pick. There is a lot to discuss, and we're going to do that on this episode with friend of the podcast and noted fan of the Washington football team. He doesn't have an actual name. He just has a Twitter name, and that is Burgundy Blog. Uh, we just had a, a fun chat talking about all kinds of things, uh, theories about what, what could happen at 19. We obviously talked about the Eric Flowers trade, uh, which happened today. Uh, kind of out of nowhere, the Washington reacquired its old former starting guard from the Miami Dolphins. Um, that actually doesn't seem like the biggest of trades. It impacted my mock draft. Uh, for those of you who heard the one I, I, I put it here the other day where I had them taking um, USC lineman uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. I'm not going to have that, I, I don't think, <laughs> going forward. Uh, so uh, so my world got uh, rocked, relatively speaking, uh, th- th- this week from that. But anyway, so we talked about that, um, you know, kind of just where, where we're both at with this team overall, get into some deeper roster things beyond the first round, fun conversation with Burgundy Blog. Um, We'll get to all that and more here on the podcast, which of course you can subscribe to on uh, iTunes, Spotify, all those fun places that you do your podcasting. Uh, If you're an iTunes person, I greatly always appreciate it when you guys have take the time to drop a review and a rating, it really does help, and it means uh, look, it means personally a, a lot to me when I'm when I'm having a bad day. Uh, maybe I'll go look there and check out what what people have said and um, feel better about myself. By the way, if that was actually true, that would be super sad. So let's hope let's let's hope that's not true. But you never know; it's been a weird year. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so you can do that. You can of course follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing, and you can go check me out on the Athletic. Um, where by the time you hear this, I will have a new story out. My, pro- I guess probably my final pre-draft story of this cycle. I did a final Washington team only draft, all seven rounds, but I did it three ways. I, I we talked the Burgundy blog and I talked about it a little bit, but it's, but just a, a, as a basic, I did one kind of straight up. I did one where I made trades, and I did one where effectively I just let the board come to me and kind of took best player available. It's not necessarily saying this is exactly how I think. It's just because, you know, especially when you get past the first round, it's kind of hard to project who will even be there. It's just more of what happens if you do this. It's a choose-your-own-adventure situation. You want that dynamic offensive playmaker early? Okay, well, then that means you're not going to necessarily get an offensive tackle. But you want that big offensive lineman? Okay, great. But then that means you're going to go a bit later on safety, and this is necessarily a good class, so on and so on. So um, I enjoyed doing that. Hopefully, you guys will check it out. I do believe if you're not a subscriber, there there is a special discount uh, code, or, or not code, but a discounted rate if you go click on the story, which I will tweet out, of course. Um, or you can go to The Athletic, check out the Washington football team page, and find it there. Uh if you missed it the other day, of course, on this podcast, I talked with uh, NFL draft analyst Tony Pauline, went in great depth about first round situations, some surprises, rumors, all that kind of stuff. Um, the I largely stayed away from the from the broader NFL topics today on this episode, um, but if you obviously have you know, thoughts on that, you can check out the Tony Pauline podcast, as well as if you go to 
the athletic. I've, I have multiple stories there. One, I did a, a big NFL draft notebook about a week or so ago. And then I did a Washington version of that last Friday. A lot of details in there. Some of which I've, I've shared here on the podcast. Others I haven't. So you can go check all that out. And lastly, I should say before we start, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at All Pro Reels. Who, who are All Pro Reels? Good question. All Pro Reels is a credentialed digital media company covering all major professional sports teams in the Washington, D.C. area through photography and videography. With a database of over 25,000 images, whether you're looking for in-game content or content with your favorite player, APR has you covered. And that includes the Nationals. Those guys are out there shooting, shooting those games right now. So, of course, go check out um, Joe and Rob with All Pro Reels. Um I think I've said enough. Let's get to it. We're almost here drafting. Oh, I guess I should just say I haven't exactly figured out my plan in terms of podcasting for the draft. Uh, Thursday night, obviously, it's only the one pick. It's a big pick, but I'm going to also have to write that night. So I don't exactly know what I will do. There obviously will be a podcast at some point during this process. I will do the best I can to have something out uh, in a timely manner. I just can't guarantee it'll be Thursday night, but we'll see. I'm crazy if I've had enough coffee that day and, and maybe if I have a guest willing to come on, anything is possible. All right. But for now, what is possible is me and our friend Burgundy blog talking about the Washington football team, the NFL draft, and some other randomness here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Uh, this is a first here on the Standard Room Only podcast. It's a first for the, it's a first time visit from this particular guest. And it's the first time I've had a guest on Zoom who's not putting his video on because he is in fact, the witness protection Washington football team fan, otherwise known as Burgundy blog on Twitter. Uh, do, do you like that designation I just gave you? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm, that's definitely the, you know, that's my style, it's definitely what I'm going for, so. Well, you've you've achieved it. Uh, a, a man who's, who's people, who, who people wanna hear from, for better, or for worse, in some cases, it sounds like I don't know. I don't. I don't quite get you. You're a polarizing figure. I don't always understand why, what goes on out there in the world of Twitter. But uh, you know, it's it's better to be. It's better to be um, uh, uh, remembered than ignored. So I <laughs> if you say so, <laughs> yeah, you've achieved you've achieved that much. Uh, yeah. so, so first off, man, I appreciate you being here. We're talking Tuesday night. Um, I, I feel like I need to mention the, the the time because earlier today there was an actual trade. The Washington football team acquired a former starting guard, Eric Flowers, back from the Miami Dolphins. We'll talk about that in a second, and we'll talk about, um, obviously, the NFL draft is in two days. And I, I just thought, you know, I, I prattle on here all the time, and, and uh, you know, I, I typically have guests on who are, you know, of the NFL draft world. But ultimately, you know, look, this is a fun event. Let's localize it to the Washington football team. I just talked the other day with Tony Pauline in depth about the whole thing. We're going to talk about the Washington football team here primarily or, and whatever else sort of comes up. And I thought, all right, let me get in somebody here who's not a, who, who used to have a podcast. I, I was on it. I think I helped him close down that podcast, which I, I don't know if that uh, says something about <laughs> my production that day or not. But, uh, you know. You may. You may. I mean, as it stands, Ben, you know, it's possible that you will be the feature on the final episode of the Burgundy broadcast in perpetuity. Wow. I mean, there are, you know, people have brought up this week that I've won an NFL mock draft contest a couple of times that, that that's on the resume. 
the being the last guest on the the Burgundy blogcast would be uh, would would be there at, as well. I think. Um, <laughs> so yeah, man. So I mean, look, I, there are hundred different ways we could we could take this, you know. And I know what I focus on all the time. So let me sort of just to disagree. I guess turn it over to you. As we are more or less forty eight hours, a little bit less than forty eight hours now from what we're talking right now. So much to consider. What 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 sort of jumps to mind first for you as we stand here forty eight hours before the before the draft? Um, well, let's talk about you know what do we what do we want like what do we as the fans? I'll be as you said the proxy or voice of the fan here. What what do we want the team to sort of look or feel like? Um, you know, I guess uh, a week or you know five six days from now when the draft wraps up, and I think the main. Um, you know, the main potential difference here is, is, is there an heir apparent at the QB position or not? Or are we standing pat? Or is there, whether it be a, a, by virtue of a first round pick or day two pick, you know, is there somebody who seems to be the future? To me, I think that would be, that's a big distinction to be made here. I mean, even if it's Davis Mills in the second round or, you know, Mond or Trask or whatever, um, I think the team would feel kind of different. Um, if that person was there versus are we going to use those currently four picks in the first three rounds to just hopefully draft some studs, some, some immediate, immediate uh, term starters, you know, um, or key contributors. And um, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, obviously quarterback is a big topic. I heard uh, Todd McShay on with Ryan Rosillo this week. And he said that when the season ends, the first thing he does is he goes studies the top quarterbacks because he knows that's what's going to be discussed most of all, no matter what else is happening. And yeah. on some level here, even after getting Ryan Fitzpatrick, even with a roster with three guys that started a game last year, I understand that's, you know, your mileage may vary on whether you think Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke is a, a potential answer, but you know, the, it, it, it is not, it, it's a screaming need long-term, but it's not like an immediate need now yet quarterback, especially the last few weeks, just over and over again has been a position yeah. we all keep talking about. And it's been, a, it's been good fodder also for some of the pundits out there to either you know throw rumors or just discuss constantly the idea of Washington making that kind of move, which is, is really just so interesting to me. Yeah, totally agree. Not, not at a, I mean, it's, it's really not an immediate hole. I mean, um, but it is, it, it's the biggest and most important one long-term. So I, I think, I mean, and the, the evidence is that you've got, you know, all these, all, all the, the all the experts have their you know top 100 top 150 boards and you got um you know these qbs with 11 college starts uh who are you know ranked 87th or 115th on like dane brugler's board and we're talking about them maybe sneaking into the first so like that's it's just it's what it is that you know steve zabin always says that the nfl is a tv show about quarterbacks i mean it, it's the whole every even if we're getting sick of it everything really revolves around that so i think you know to that end and, and the, the conversation i don't want to hijack it with the quarterback thing because it may very well not even be a thing but um i don't i, I don't really want to get anybody that's not like clearly or very very likely going to be a, a big, uh, a big step up from, you know, Kyle Allen and or Taylor Heineke. And um, I kind of like the idea right now. I mean, I'm not against like if somehow, whether it be by trade or somebody slips or whatever, if it's a Trey Lance who I happen to like or a Fields who, I mean, I obviously has a lot of traits like that, that would be cool. But if it's not that, then like, I'm, I 
I'm not really interested in like mining the, the the day three for like a developmental gem. I mean, somebody who's got a pretty low chance of hitting because we already have two of those. So I, I really, I think I'm, I think I'm looking forward to what I'm, what I think is most likely to happen, which is that they're not going to make some huge move up for Lance or Fields, who, who I like, by the way, both. I mean, especially Lance, but like, I, I, I'm hoping that, that, you know, Friday night, we can look down and there's like four guys who look like maybe they're going to play big roles right away. And then I think that, that, you know, that in combination with what, what should be a significant improvement at the quarterback position already, this could make it a pretty exciting year. Yeah. I mean, the quarterback thing. So like the the topic, the way I've kind of looked at it in the last week or so, you know, there was obviously all this, Trey Lance stuff going on a little bit and are they going to trade up and obviously that's been the talk I, it's funny like looking back at some articles I wrote last season I, I at one point I interviewed several people like Daniel Daniel Jeremiah and Rick Neuheisel and um, Jim Nagy and some others about the quarterbacks and it was all about players they might get in the top five you know all the guys were mm-hmm. talking about because that's where clearly that Washington was going <laughs> yeah. at, at that point it was like oh of course they're gonna be there and then things happened and, and now they're, they're picking 19. Um, I, I have from the moment that they like I was not really that excited about them drafting a quarterback or just uh I mean I was you know it was all relative I figured the free agency they were going to get a veteran one way or the other I thought they would try to make the play for Stafford they did they end up getting Fitzpatrick and you know I, I just the way I keep looking at it is uh, we are living at a time in the NFL where quarterback movement is pretty rampant I mean who, yeah. nobody would have imagined Carson Wentz Matthew Stafford getting moved maybe even that people wouldn't have thought jared goff uh right um you know i hear people say next year's draft doesn't look good really you tell me where zach Wilson. yeah no that's nonsense a year right ago, right no they, they were nowhere and now we have aaron Rodgers and russell wilson you know who knows what'll happen but those could be big things and i just think for the long haul perspective to get if the goal is the super bowl Right. I always say the goal should be to contend that way. You don't you, every year, if, you, if you're in position, hopefully you'll get a lucky break the way Kansas city has done, you know, in the last few years with, uh, with Andy right. when he was always a, you know, bridesmaid. Um, it seems to me if you build up the draft this year with Fitzpatrick and the other quarterbacks they have, you could put yourself in the position, fill in these last remaining holes at tackle at linebacker, whatever. And then maybe, you're on Russell Wilson's list next year. Everybody loves right. Ron Rivera, right? I mean, yep. he's one of the most popular guys in the league, it seems like. So it, to me, that's the way I would go rather than mortgaging the future. Um, I, I, I do have um, a, a, a new, uh, well, by the time people hear this, there'll be a new story for me up on The Athletic. I did a final Washington football team mock draft, set all seven rounds, uh, but I did it three different ways because, you know, I'm a nerd like that. And also- mm. There's just so many, you know, so many variables this year, this draft. I was like, well, let's just, I, I've done this before, but this year it felt even more important to do it. I, if I was just going to do one, I would not have included a quarterback. And like you said, mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't have bothered with day three. You already, plus you have Steven Montez too. You don't need, the, if you're drafting somebody, he better make the team. And I wouldn't be convinced that that guy would make the team. Right. Um, I say better make the team, at least have a chance to make the team. Um, the day two guys I generally don't like, I, as I've said before, if you're drafted, like you said, Davis Mills is like ranked in like the eighties on people's boards, yet people projecting him possibly even in like round one or round two. 
it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense from a board perspective. So I don't want to draft players where I'm taking them around or too early just because of the position. Yep. That said, if I have to do this, if we're going to play this game, I kind of have talked myself into Mills. There is the injury risk he's had. He, he tore his knee up uh, before he got to Stanford then did it again, but he's been injury free the last couple of years. Um, and just listen to people talk about him and he's got more of the prototype skills, skill set that you're looking for. And uh, people have said to me that like, if he had stayed in school another year, something that some folks wish he kind of had done both for himself, but I think also for their selfish reasons um, that he could be easily a first round <laughs> pick next year. And so if all that is true and you, if you give it a clean bill of health from the medical people or as best you can in a contact sport like this, that might be the guy that I would roll the dice on in round two figuring, well, if I could think legitimately, he might be a one next year and I'm just going to redshirt him this mm-hmm. year. Don't need him to play at all. Even he, he could be the third string, no matter what, I don't, you know, you have other options. Maybe that could make sense. And I could sort of talk myself into it. They still have two third round picks. So, you know, you could, even if it is a sort of a wasted pick for 2021 purposes, I could sort of maybe talk myself into it. It's not how I would go. I would rather fill out the board. As I said, do clean up as much as you can to set yourself up, not just to hopefully win this year, but next year be the attractive team that everybody's kind of looking at if there's going to be more quarterback movement. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. Of that group, of that of that Mills, Trask, Mon group, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't particularly want any of them. I mean, Mills is of the three, I guess maybe I'd be most open to Mills. But, um, I mean, I, I, it's quite simply, basically, I only want a quarterback out of this draft if Lancer Fields slides to, like, 14 and i mean i don't think that's going to happen um there's this stuff i've, I've thought all along this even, even the possibility of them trading up to number four was like silly like this i mean that's that's that t- t- topic is ridiculous um that would take just way way too much for a guy who's not a slam dunk either of them any of them so um you know if, if, if somebody gets within range okay fine maybe but i mean there's there's so many different ways they can go here it's Nice. I mean, there's there's going to be somebody who's worthy, I think, of of number 19 and also fits at a spot where they could stand to uh, at, you know, add somebody. So um, I think they should just roll with it. I, I agree. And and for what it's worth, and I'm not going to step on my story much more than that, than, than this. But since we're talking about quarterbacks and it's a fun thing to talk about, you know, what I've been told now by multiple people, including um uh, you know, sort of a high ranking official in the league is that if Washington, if they were to trade up, the sense I have from two people is that it would be for Justin Fields rather than mm. Trey Lance. I know mm-hmm. that was more of the, the conversation. And, you know, you could look at that either way. It feels like Trey Lance needs the most time of any of them because, this, you know, he's coming from where he's coming from. North Dakota State didn't essentially didn't play this past year. The jump is pretty significant. It could use a year, maybe even two. I think we talked about this on um, on Twitter one day. Yeah. Um, it, it's not to say he will, it's just to say he's super young and he's inexperienced in terms, not just in terms of game, uh, games and reps, but just level that, and therefore fields um, of those two would be the more, uh, the, the more appealing candidate. Obviously he has, you know, bigger experience, all that said, and I, I don't necessarily want to say, well, just because other Ohio state quarterbacks have been a disaster in the pros <laughs> that that should discount Justin Fields. In this case, I do was like I do kind of wonder like you just yeah. you, you just went through this. Um, I don't know. By the way, the last thing on the quarterbacks, and we can move on. The other thing I, I've I've wondered all along is look, obviously Ron Rivera will eventually again one at some point have a young quarterback. 
I just wondered after everything he just went through this year, does he want to deal with that right. immediately? Right. Yeah. You know, and well, he and doesn't I, have to. I mean, he shouldn't have to either way. I mean, I think even it really is a great spot. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll shut up about Lance, but you know, if it's if it's going to be a guy who sits a year, even though that never happens anymore, I mean, <clears throat> I think it, I think it really would be like where better <clears throat> should Lance go than here? Right now, nobody. I really don't think that there would be um, if it's Patrick is even okay like everyone would totally get that this is the situation for the for the rookie to sit i think i mean i think it's i, I think there's room for room for patience um yeah yeah for for, for sure absolutely um so okay so let, 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 i guess let's talk about this a little bit we didn't talk about um the eric flowers part of it which is yeah. so hilarious that we're that we're here again but honestly for me it it kind of ruined my my mock draft plans because <laughs> I, I put out um, anybody who listened to my my podcast I put out over the weekend. Or AVT. Out, yeah, yeah. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker was the pick. Now I, I I had you know reserved the right to change it seventeen times between then and the draft, and will will between now and and the time I have to put you know pencils down on Wednesday. Um, but. I'm not saying that that was necessarily the best pick. I'm not saying that was my ideal pick. I'm just saying as based on the board, based on the picks that were there, based on my sense of what the team is thinking, looking at whatever, I think Vera Tucker would made the most sense at that point, the best guard in the draft, or, or at least no less than the second best guard, a very polished uh, prospect who in theory could play tackle. And obviously there is the Brandon Scherf long-term question made sense. Now that you get Eric Flowers, I mean, look, we can debate whether Eric Flowers is the starting guard or if it's going to be Wes Schweitzer, or I guess, or is it going to be Sadiq Charles? But mm-hmm. I don't see now, if you're going to keep Brandon Scherf, which we can talk about that as well, but I don't I don't know where Vera Tucker fits. And most people in the league seem to think he's more of a guard than tackle. I don't know what Washington thinks. So based on that, I pivoted off of him and went in a different direction. Uh, but but in terms of the, just to stick with the guard thing for a second, I mean, <laughs> Eric Flowers, I mean, what a... Um, when I saw that today, I was like, wow, that is not what I, not what I thought. I mean, Miami yeah. getting rid of all their people they signed right. uh, a, a year ago. Yeah, they did the same thing with Van Noy, right? Yeah, I, I think it's like a, a handful of guys that they've, they've yeah. done this with, which is weird because their GM has gotten a lot of credit for how he's handled the, uh, the draft the last few years, which is, you know, totally fair. But to, to, to move on from guys after one year is pretty yeah. well. And they paid, you know, Flowers is going to get $9 million this year. He's going to get three from Washington. Miami's paying six. So right. it's not like they even got off big time. That, that Miami was underwater with the cap a little bit. I think this gives them some more room. That puts them so that means the they were going to cut them, right? Because they barely got any any draft capital out of it either. A couple, slot, couple, couple slots in the seventh round. Right. I, 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 I guess, yeah. It's uh, curious as to, as to what their plan is. In any event, from Washington's perspective, I mean, if you look at pro football focus, they gave Eric Flowers the same. He's the same ranking in terms of guards as he in 2019 and 2020. Uh, I already forgot what it was 32, 42, something like that. I apologize. Yeah. I, I wrote about him today. It's in the story. I saw it. It was in the 30s. It was 32. Yeah. So it was oddly the same thing. But okay. That said, I talked to our Miami Dolphins uh, reporter, Josh Tolentino, today, and he was saying that he thought Flowers kind of inconsistent throughout mm. the year. So, and oddly, he was more, you know, fairly solid here. Um, yeah, the, uh, you know his his one year. So I'm kind of assuming he's gonna be the starter. Like I don't yeah. quite know why. I, you... I think he will. I think he will. 
Right. I mean, why make the move two days before the draft if he's not your likely starter? Yeah. I mean, and and so on the surface, it, it, it almost seems silly like that we would be, you know, that you would, for example, at the last minute, uh, you know, tear up your first round mock for 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 eric flowers but i think you're right to do it i mean i would have done the same because i think i just think that now they've probably got their two guys and schweitzer was good last year so they've got really three guys and by the way i mean sheriff's not going to get traded nobody's going to want that contract not nobody's going nobody's going to want the second tag contract and nobody's going to give him a big deal if somebody was going to give him a big deal uh the redskins would have i mean sorry washington would have but um you know, so they're they're all there. They just don't really need a guy. They yeah, could they possibly upgrade um, over both Flowers and Schweitzer with somebody like Veritaka? Of course, but like you definitely don't want to be drafting a guy in the first round, an interior offensive lineman who might not even play as a rookie. I mean, that's out. A hundred a hundred percent is out. Um, I, I would agree. So, okay. So an interesting move there for Flowers cost them literally nothing other than money. I mean, all they did was swap seventh round picks so they moved down like 12 spots in the seventh round i mean they, they now have the next to last pick in the entire draft which will make for a little bit of a later night for people like me but whatever <laughs> so um <laughs> seems like a reasonable move that i mean they have you know so now they have more more depth on on the line here's my here's my other thought though so as it relates to the draft right so if you're just doing a standalone mock and you're like i'm doing with this washington only but you don't look at anything else you just look at your pick and say well, what do i what do i essentially want to have happen here for this team like going with christian derisaw the virginia tech offensive tackle would be an easy an easy call mm-hmm. right i mean it, it, it left tackle is still a question it's a premium position um easy enough but when you do it the way i do it which is i'm well i'm actually going to mock out the draft and who knows if i'm right but i just look at starting with the chargers at 13 the vikings at 14 the raiders at 17 it just feels like there's too many teams between Mm -hmm. 13 and 19 for him to get by based on my sense of how he's viewed Um, there's some questions but just in general how he's viewed and just obviously the position that he plays so unless washington were to trade up i'm gonna guess he's not he's not there but here's my question even i don't think that's necessarily a if he was there i would hypothetically imagine he would be the pick but that said Sadiq Charles right they're high on Sadiq Charles if they're going for Eric Flowers now they have Flowers and Schweitzer okay Sadiq Charles they're not gonna have all three guys at guard so it kind of feels like they're gonna put Sadiq Charles in now at tackle in which case and this is what I in terms of my mock like I wasn't looking at it like well I really need Darisaw to fall to me I'm just gonna say you know what I don't I mean I, I I don't know if they would take him anyway because if, yeah. if if you really if you just did this, I assume you think Charles is going to play left tackle. At least that's my assumption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, or they, they they may not know, or they may believe that he's uh, you know potentially qualified to to do both. Either I don't I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I just I mean, I mean, I know the offensive line coach John Masco likes versatile players, but I mean, sort of just at the end of the day, somebody actually has to play, right? And when you look yeah. at the number of players they have. Like if Charles is involved, which clearly seems like they would want him to be, well, where is he involved? We just said they have three other guards right now. So he's got to, if he's playing, he's playing tackle. And then if you have him with Lucas and then Moses on the other side, like are you then drafting Darisau for Charles to not play? Right. I, again, it's not just all about this year. You don't do the draft for the next year. I mean, there is. Yeah. The year and I think you do that. it. You do, you, you do it. I, I would hope they wouldn't be doing it because 
oh boy, it's like all we got is Cornelius Lucas. We really need a left tackle. Let's like shoehorn Darazal in here. You're doing it at that point because you think he's awesome, you know? And if if, if you do, then fine. But yeah, I mean, to your point, like uh, when when they, you know, I'm, I'm sure you recall last, last year, right before, you know, the Trent Williams trade went down, like, correct me if I'm wrong, same day, a couple hours before they drafted Charles or something like that. Um, and there was a lot made of like, well, this is the replacement, you know? which is a little much, I think, to predict for a fourth-round pick at any position. But, um, you know, after after they lost Trent Williams, Sadiq Charles was supposed to be the new Trent Williams. Yeah, that 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 yeah, that level of hype is a bit much. And you're right. Like, don't yeah, don't let me say act like he's the you know, there, there was Jacoby, there was Lachey, there was Samuels, there was Trent, now there's Sadiq <laughs> Charles. Yeah, like we're not there. It's just, yeah, it's just a matter of, well, how, you know, ultimately, like, I just always, the way I always view these things is how do I maximize every situation as best as possible so that the entire 53-man roster is being, I'm wringing out everything I possibly can for the whole for the whole thing. So in any event, like I said, if Darisol was there, I would imagine still it would make a logical sense to pick him. But in my, mm-hmm. in my world, he's not. So I had to veer off into some other ways, and now I can't use Vera Tucker. So mm-hmm. I guess before I kind of go into to, to that, I guess, you're, you're, you're a man of the people. What, what, what's the pick that people actually want? I, I, I can't, I don't necessarily know. Like, I mean, quarterback aside, if they're at 19, some, you know, every year yeah. is always somebody that people want. Is there somebody this year that whether it's in within reason or not, that you get a sense or maybe what you want, who's the player then you want at 19. If we're, you know, if you want to right. there, so I'll go for it. But who, who's that player that you actually want uh, if they stay there? Well, by Twitter, I do not sense that there is an overwhelming consensus. I mean, I think Derrissaw is very popular. I think a lot of people want a linebacker, which could be Parsons if you're comfortable with his, I guess, personality and character, or maybe uh, JOK, um, or some people like Zavin Collins or Jamin Davis. I mean, I think linebacker is a pretty popular thing that people want there. I like I like uh, Owusu Karamoa a lot out of uh, Notre Dame, of course. I mean, there's there's the fear that maybe he's a tweener, maybe he doesn't have a position, but I just think he's I just think he's an awesome playmaker. Um, yeah, I I think that you know some people would be okay with a receiver there, some people maybe a defensive back. I think a sneaky possibility, depending on who is who's still on the board, would be a corner. You know, I mean I, that that seems to I think a lot of people aren't really thinking about that because they just signed a pretty high profile one. Um, but you really can never have too many and they don't have a, you know, in my view, a ton of depth at that spot beyond the starters beyond Jackson and Fuller. Um, so that's a possibility. I mean, I, I think I, I'm, I'm, I want a playmaker. I want somebody exciting. I want somebody with, this is just me speaking personal preference. Now I hope it's, I hope it's somebody with traits who, you know, can uh, I hope it's a defender who's going to, going to make, you know, make some takeaways. Somebody with traits. Um, I like it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, look, I uh, like linebacker has been the alternate, you know, the plan B this whole time for me, you know, depending on what was going to happen. Um, and, you know, in my, in my mock draft world, Wusso Karamoa goes to the Raiders at 17 or some, or maybe a little bit older, but he could be there. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's in, in, impossible. I think Jamin Davis would be there in a, some previous mock draft I had, I don't remember if it was one I did or one I did with the, the group of writers at the athletic, but I had him as the, as the pick ironically in the one we just did, we did two rounds, all the writers, 
I got Cameron Davis in the second round. Mm, nice. Which, if that were to happen, obviously that would be everybody would say, "Oh, Washington had a great draft." Certainly, like Mel Kiper, <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah would. Yeah, exactly, because uh, they seem to really like him. Um, so I, I think he would be a possibility for sure. In the in in the three ways that I did it, I had one sort of conventional. I had one where somebody falls down and like you sort of just go with the best player available situation. And then I had one where I was like, look, I, everybody wants to say trade down, right? That's the easy, you know, the easy kind of thing to do. Um, I actually think Washington is kind of positioned nicely for this to possibly happen. And just to go through it really quick, again, who knows exactly how the board's going to go. But, you know, pass rushers are always at a premium. And if you look at the board, look, it's possible the Giants at 11 take one. But I, I don't know if they don't. I don't know if anybody is taking one until maybe Miami at 18. And that's not even a, a, a guarantee. And even if it's not, th- there will be a, a fair amount of pass rushers about to go off the board from where Washington is to the end of the first round. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, uh, Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips, so, some others as well. I think there could be teams that say, hey, we want to get the best guy for us and who's willing to to trade up. I think Washington is more likely to trade up than say the bears who at 20, I'm sorry, to trade down the bears at 20. I think the bears need to be aggressive or at least Mm -hmm. I think they will think they need to be aggressive because they've got like some bad mojo going on. They need to make a move. So Washington, I think could make a move. You know, you mentioned cornerback. The top two cornerbacks will be gone possibly in the first 10 picks. The third cornerback is probably Greg Newsom from Northwestern. He might be there and teams like uh, the Titans, the jets, they may decide, Hey, I need to, we need to get him. Cause after him, it's there's corners, but he's the, it's clearly him. And then it feels like there's a gap because Caleb Farley. Well, how the, about what if, what if your new doctors think Caleb Farley's back is going to be fine? Well, I mean, that, then that, I mean, that could be a reason to jump up to get him if nothing else then, because he was projected to be in that, you know, top 10 to 12 range yeah. prior to the back surgery. So if you think he's all that, I mean, from an upside perspective, he might be the most interesting cornerback in the class. Right. Um, but then also you have, um, you know, the running back situation, right? I, yeah. Feels like at least one may go in the first, maybe two. If you're a team that wants to jump ahead of Pittsburgh, jump ahead of Jacksonville, maybe you trade up. Buffalo at 30, you know, uh, Travis Etienne is now being talked about with them. Do you want to jump up? Uh, you know, offensive tackle. I'm not looking at Tevin Jenkins for Washington because he's primarily a right tackle, but there's a bunch of teams after Washington who need – tackle and if you think he's worthy of that spot there's a lot of tackles this year who are good enough you probably don't have to trade up but if you think he's the cats meow maybe you jump up anyway my point is i think washington is positioned to trade down if they so want to whether they do we'll obviously we'll see yeah. when i played out that mock draft of the three versions i think that was that was my favorite one because i got them not i not only some more stuff this year but i made a trade to get them a a, a good pick next year also and, and mm-hmm. I think that becomes interesting because if you, again, if you sort of forward think this thing again, I'm already, there's the draft, you have more capital to trade up next year if you want a quarterback, but also if there's a trade, if, if there's the Matthew Stafford this year, now you have this extra pick that you can play with. And if it doesn't hurt you a lot this year, cause you think you can trade down um, to get some other players do you want offensive line linebacker or whatever. I think that could be a, a pretty fun way to go. Mm-hmm. One other position, I think, potentially relevant much like corner which everyone is dismissing because they signed William Jackson I mean receiver is a position 
where they, they, they still, I think, you know, could stand to improve if, if they, if they want, um, you know, and then they signed Samuel. So many people think that that box is checked, but I do think that in that group of receivers after the, the big three um, in this draft, there's kind of like the next three, which seems to me like Kadarius, Tony, Elijah Moore, um, and then um, somebody else I'm forgetting who would be right there. Rashad Bateman is. is yeah. The Bateman guy, was know. the one I was thinking of those, those guys are nice. I mean, I think there's a good chance that two out of those three guys are going to be really good pros. Um, you know, and so like you, you may have, yeah, you've added Samuel um, who can do a lot and is blazing fast, but you know, I'm not sure, you know, he's obviously not the prototypical boundary receiver. If you still kind of want somebody with some size and, you know, Bateman's like six foot or six one. I mean, that's number 19. Isn't, isn't a terrible spot to be one in one of those guys too. I guess I, I people have heard me go off. And say, I, I like baiting them a lot. And Elijah Moore is definitely somebody that uh, hearing a lot of interesting talk about. And I, I feel pretty good that he's probably going to be in the first round at this point. I, I just always look at it like, you know, there's only one football and from, yeah. from an asset allocation standpoint, it just doesn't feel like spending a lot on receiver, especially at a time when there's so many receivers available and, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overestimated because they're the guys we have, but between Cam Sims, Gandy golden, who obviously showed us nothing last year, Kelvin Harmon, who's coming off a knee injury. Um, I'm, I'm not painting an exciting portrait right there. And no, you you're not. If you want to include Isaiah, right. Fine. I Adam don't. Hum- <laughs> right. I, I don't really either. Um, and you have Adam Humphreys who, you know, who knows you know, two years removed from a 70 plus catch season. All I'm saying is that you already have McLaurin, and 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 Samuel and you know factor in Logan Thomas and Gibson and McKissick I, it just feels like there's enough lottery tickets there that I feel decent that one of those guys at least will emerge and Cam Sims was actually pretty solid yeah over the second half of last season a little consistent for sure but like for what he is I mean you know I think he's pretty good so um I I wouldn't I, I don't care if you draft one I just for me 19 would be rich just based on what they already have and what the what what the needs are and how I view the world, it's not to say that any of those guys would be a bad value pick. It's just like for me, uh, it's not. Yeah. it's not how no I doubt. like to. Uh, no doubt, it's not a screaming need. I think though, you know, just philosophically, and I mean, what do I know? But I think that we we as fans, we we like to study up on these prospects, and we we get our little our own personal big boards and then we like to get cued and fit in well like you know and you're you're the grandmaster of this you're the two-time huddle report mock draft contest champion the the, the greatest in the history of our human race okay. but we we like to find matches right and i'm not i'm not so sure that a lot of teams aren't just going to be like well shit you know what Kadarius tony is just the bomb <laughs> like i gotta have him you know and you may feel like you've already got a couple of starters but uh, it doesn't always, you know, I really think that we probably are maybe a little more fixated on need than I bet Ron will be when number 19 actually rolls around. Totally agree. And, you know, one thing that's so interesting about all this is like part of this game, I mean, part of the game for every team, but for us specifically, as people who are paying attention to the Washington football team, is to really try to figure out what they're doing over there. And mm-hmm. I, I said this the other day somewhere, I can't keep track of anything I say or write anymore, but um you know we're all trying to figure this out look it's great to go back as we've all done to some degree and look back at marty herney's draft history and martin mayhew's draft history and see if you can figure anything out guess what it's all and most of it doesn't mean squat because it when they were the gm they weren't effectively sharing the job with another guy and simultaneously being under another guy 
Yeah. And, and like, also, we don't know. Like Ron Rivera is the one setting the tone here. I'm sure they'll all have nice conversations and debates and they'll, they'll tell us at the end that we, they worked really well together. And from that, they came up with this great plan and they executed and all that stuff. But we don't quite know exactly what that truly, uh, truly looks like. I, I wouldn't have predicted a year ago definitively they would have taken um antonio gibson mm -hmm, I mean, yeah I, I wasn't thinking running back i mean i understand once once it all happened i'm like okay this kind of makes sense and now once i you know when i started learning uh, sort of gather more about their plans and scott turner's offense okay adrian peterson doesn't exactly fit but i wasn't definitively thinking uh gibson plus you had guys obviously you know right there there is guys things went south but at that moment you know i wasn't thinking you know thinking that um yeah so so it, you know it, it's still a little hard to know exactly what their plans i thought free agency was a was fairly conventional and fairly good i mean based mm -hmm. on their execution and, and and the players they got and 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 what they paid and all that so you know I, that, that's my yeah they could go in so many directions i mean realistically at 19 based on the values on the board other than other than defensive line other than quarterback, unless somehow they just absolutely <laughs> love Davis Mills or something. That How much. badly will Twitter melt down if they take, uh, you know, Jalen, what's Jaylen, his name? Jalen Phillips. Phillips. <laughs> Gregory <laughs> Russo. <laughs> right, right. Everybody will be making the joke. Washington's not going to play the, uh, mm. the, the, uh, the, the five, one, five defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that, by the way, I guess just to mention, so I don't forget to mention, they picked up Deron Payne's fifth year option, which is obviously an absolute no brainer, but nonetheless, it did happen. So we'll, we'll note that. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than defensive line, other than most likely quarterback, other than tight end, because there's no tight end prospects at 19, you know, there's no first round prospects other than Kyle Pitts. I, I, I don't think there's any prospect you could tell me at any position, you, if you told me they picked him first round, be like, well, that's right. insane. Right, right. Yep, I agree. Um, I, I guess just like, but, but this all connects to like sort of the idea of like where where is one at with this team? And you've had obviously, as best I can tell, sort of an interesting uh, relationship with 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 the team. Sometimes that you, you're 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 in. Sometimes you question, and it's understandable. <laughs> I was a a fan once upon a time, and I, I I was a fan even in the early Dan Snyder era, and quickly gathered what was happening and sort of checked out emotionally before I then got into this job where you have to throw all the emotions out. Um, so I, I get the ups and downs and, and certainly last year was incredibly chaotic off the field, particularly uh, Ron Rivera seemed to stabilize things on the field, but you know, it feels like there's positive momentum with this team right now. There is always the looming Dan Snyder influence. So as the, uh, proxy for the fans like how are you actually feeling right now about you know kind of where things are as we're going into this draft because the draft is so optimistic right i mean if, as long as they don't botch this thing everybody's going to come out of this draft thinking yeah this team here we go let's go forget this winning the division all the way right i i, I bet right. that happens unless the picks are particularly odd so but but I, but that's all relative to where you are going into the draft so where are you right. at going into the draft i mean i'm 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 a heck of a lot more interested and enthusiastic than I was a year ago. That's for sure. Um, but you know, and, and, and you you correctly identified that uh, my relationship with this franchise is, is certainly both love and hate for a long time. Um, 
I think that, you know, I'm kind of with the the majority who I think seems to think that this is moving the right direction. And I mean, I, I like the staff and I generally like the roster there for more so than at many points in recent history um, or remote history for that matter. There are likable players and likable coaches that you can get behind. The owner is still loathsome, um, which is a problem, but um, I think, you know, it's good. It's, you know, I'm very, um, this whole enterprise for me is, is as much a curiosity as anything else. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm no, I think the part of me that was just this, this diehard true, true blue loyal to the end, rah, rah, sis, boom, like fan that just like really loved and adored the team. It's, it's dead. They killed it. I'm not sure it'll ever come back. I'm very um, closely attached now uh, as you know, but like I said, almost more out of curiosity. And I think that there's a good chance that this is going to come together in the next few years. And like, they might actually be legit good. If anything though, I, I really do think that um, they're totally not, the average um, team like in the first year after a, um, a division title, you know, division championship, whatever, you know, they're, they're, they're not your usual division winner. It's not just because they're seven and nine. Um, it's there. It's that they're, they're actually closer, I think, to being a team, the average team in year two of a total teardown and rebuild. I mean, that's what's going on here. This is a new new coach, new regime, and they kind of got a little bit ahead of schedule. And you could tell in Rivera's pressers on more than one occasion that he was like conflicted about the success that they were having because it was resetting public expectations. And and I mean, I, I think it's reasonable to point out he's bummed that that their draft pick you know fell so far down because they made the playoffs like obviously it's a secondary thing he's not sorry they made the playoffs but he um i think he has you know, he was a little a little worried that you know people were going to start to assume that the window that the time is now and that the window is open i think this the so-called window is not actually open they need to just put their heads down and keep chopping wood and, and build the team up and i think aim for being actually good in like two more years um yeah, so, some interesting thoughts there. I, I will just say this about the window, and I, I this was my point like before free agency even. You're right. The, 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 it's not a window in the way we typically view it, like, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs have a window right now, right? You have Patrick Mahomes, you already made the Super Bowl two years in a row. Their window to, to, to add more Lombardi trophies is right now. Or if you want to say the Buffalo Bills to, to maybe be the team to beat them, that window is now based on what they just did. Washington's not there. However, you know, one one thing we've seen over the years when you have these rookie quarterbacks, on, or not sorry, these, these quarterbacks that are rookie contracts, the Russell Wilsons of the world, that you can use that opportunity to build up around them while they're on these cheap deals. And I do think the opportunity Washington had going into this offseason was you've got this defensive line all on rookie deals. Mm-hmm. In Within two years, that's all going to start to change as they all, I mean, assuming you attempt to keep them, that's all going to start to change. And now all of a sudden you're, you're going to have to start spending money um, there that you're going to, have to take away from other spots. So it did to me make kind of sense. That's why I thought it made sense to go for it with Stafford or a veteran like that, rather than wait for the draft. E- even at the point we didn't quite know what was going to, was going to happen uh, because I do think on some level, this is an opportunity. Now, again, you have to walk before you can run. And they just started to learn how to crawl last year, essentially, you know, right. they, they win the division at seven and nine, but you know, we, we all kind of understood with that. They did play better at the end of the year. We can poke some holes into how they got to that 
strong finish, but they did it. Um, I think Fitzpatrick probably ultimately was the best thing they could do at quarterback to give him the puncher's chance for taking another, another step. I think Curtis Samuel, you know, they didn't break the bank for him. He obviously, you know, they, they, the, the coaching staff knows him. He brings the speed element and William Jackson, you know, based on everything, you know, you, you see and you read and you hear, you know, he's one of the better cornerbacks out there just was underrated a bit because of the fact he was playing on a lousy team. And so, you know, if they can, in fact, you know, address, particularly say linebacker, right. Get a, get a, get somebody who can come in there and be a more of a playmaker than what they have. You know, maybe you, you can, you still get a, a left tackle to push, somebody there you, you draft a free safety on day two Javon Holland from Oregon's a guy that I kind of like um, you know if you could do those things the starting lineup is pretty solid and um, again I'm not saying you're winning a Super Bowl with Brian Fitzpatrick at quarterback I, I'm just saying I do think there's something to be said for going for it now because in two years everything starts getting more expensive including Terry McLaurin I mean, this will be the case every year in the NFL, right? Because they're the young players. But I'm saying for this group right now, their best players are all the ones on the rookie contracts, at least going into free agency. And I would, yeah. I think it was, I think, I think to take advantage of it makes sense. I think in a sense they did by making the moves uh, that they made. Yeah, I hear you. It's a good counterpoint. I mean, you're right. It's, you don't want to waste the time where you have these young, relatively affordable, um, good players all at, you know, in a key, in a, in a core position group. So, um, well, okay, let me ask you this though, because we, we have talked before. You have a Twitter pre- persona. I enjoy the Twitter persona that is cranky. And at the moment, <laughs> you've been very positive. So, something, <laughs> there must be something that is annoying you. I don't know whether it's the roster. Um, I, I, maybe the team name, I, we can, uh, we can maybe skip that one. That's a longer conversation, but, and it'll eventually yes, get let's that Yes, let's please one. skip that. That yeah. is the answer, by the way, but <laughs> not for tonight. Okay. Yeah. That, that'll get that with eventually. Uh, it's a good off season topic for us all, but, um, but, but what, what is there that is, is there something that's cranking? It could be the roster, the coaching staff. I don't know. It could be, I, I, whatever. I don't know. Something about, uh, the discussion in town, uh, the, the media cover, I don't know, whatever it is. What, yeah. what, what is the thing that's the, the, the thorn in your paw right now? Um, you know, I'm usually pretty good at finding this and it's not typically hard for me to find something to complain about. Um, and there's not, there's really not an obvious one. I mean, I think, um, I don't really, I think that, I think we got carried away. I mean, not just with the team overall, because, they finished strong and, and, uh, and won the East. But I, I think we collectively uh, got a little carried away with the, the uh, um, characterizing the defense as, you know, top five or whatever. Um, I just never really felt like it was there, even as they were stacking some wins in um, November and December. And, uh, you know, uh, people have heard me doing other pods or whatever recently will roll their eyes at hearing me again say that I think it was super influential that they played a just an absolutely brutal slate of quarterbacks this past year and it's looking like I'm not I don't like to be next year's schedule guy but like they're going from a horrible year um a horrible slate of quarterbacks in 2020 to probably a really good one in 2021 and I think you're going to find out you know pretty quickly whether this team was really like a really good defense already or not I mean hopefully adding Jackson and whoever they get in the draft, maybe a linebacker can um, improve the unit again. But to me, I just think uh, looking ahead and knowing that it's 17 games, I think if they win eight games next year, to me, that would represent 
sufficient and expected improvement over the course of this early rebuild here. I'm not, I don't think it's going to be a huge quantum leap. I think they could have a similar record and still be a slightly better team because it's just going to be a tougher road to hoe. So, I mean, if there's one thing I'm a little annoyed with, I, I, I keep, I'm still hearing a lot of like, well, they just already have an amazing defense and they just need to find the quarterback. I just, I don't think they're quite there yet. Yeah. I mean, like I've done like some radio interviews over the last few days and, and you know, talk obviously people on, on this podcast and, you know, the people who are not focused on this team solely, they just, you know, they're, they're doing it because they're talking to me. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll just sort of reflexively say, well, they already have a great defense, dot, dot, dot. And right. right I, 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 I agree. I mean, not because they gave up over 400 yards or 500 yards, or whatever it was to Tampa Bay. Cause obviously the Buccaneers are pretty good, but it's the, it's the inverse that so many of their dominant games came against a Dallas team playing with a guy who probably will never play again in the NFL right. playing him at quarterback or the 49ers, you know, ravage and Nick Mullins is in there, you know, doing what he can, but he's not that guy or, you know, the second Dallas game and Andy Dalton's playing behind an offensive line. That's uh you know, super banged up and so on and so on. And I'm not, it's not to say that Washington, obviously there's talent on defense, particularly on the line, but you're right. It's not, it, it felt like it was overstated. And I agree the whole year, it, it didn't feel like they were, they were there. Now that said, that's why it's so interesting to see why I think what they do at linebacker and free safety, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you can get, you know, Rivera criticized that linebacker group during the year, he, he softened it up a bit uh recently when he spoke to us and you know said he said good things about john boston and cole holcomb and and that's fine but you know realistically those guys are not the best three down you know there are better three down linebacker options you can get maybe you get one at 19 um and you have that player and you know if you tack on a free safety uh, boy i mean <laughs> you know like yeah now you're talking right now now we're now what's the issue um I do think, by the way, a, a position that is not discussed at all that needs to be dealt with is the Ryan Kerrigan spot mm, because, mm-hmm. you know, he was productive getting yeah. sacks, but either way, there is no there is nobody in that spot right now. You're right. Uh, you know, James Smith-Williams, I don't know, Casey Tuhill. I mean, <laughs> You're totally right. So that, to me, is a spot that they could – I mean, if you even told me they spent – Don't you think every day it's looking more and more like it's still Ryan Kerrigan? That would be fascinating if it is. I mean – Look, I don't really, I, I'll be honest, like I don't know what's going on with that any more than what's been, uh, that's been set out there. This one to me, assuming that Washington would be interested in him. Because it's not going to be quitty pay. Right, they're not drafting somebody in the first round. I wouldn't be stunned if they took somebody with one of the third round picks, just based mm-hmm. on yeah. value or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the Ryan Kerrigan thing, I, I think it will ultimately come down if he doesn't have better offers about ego. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to pay him eleven million dollars again, right? And is he willing to come back to the same place he's been for? A Seems pretty clear. Time? Nobody is though at this point, right? But that's why I say it's an ego thing. It's one thing to yeah. go to. I'm making this up. The Arizona Cardinals right. three million dollars a year. It's another thing to stay where you were. Right. Good point. A pay cut. That. That. I mean. You totally. Know, you're 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 a man of means. Are you staying at your you know at your place of employment uh, for a seventy percent pay cut? I mean, probably right. not. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's it's potentially a pride thing, but maybe counteracted by the what I would think was is an advantage of of you know stretching out your career in, in your in your hometown or in your you know the place where you were drafted. Um, what else can I get you to be critical about? You you're a man who pays very close attention to the media coverage of this team. What are your, <laughs> what are your thoughts? How are, um, how are we doing? Uh, yeah, pretty good overall. No bones to pick at the moment. Hmm. it's 
not a fun answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, you put me on the spot. I'll, uh, I'll try uh, to come up with one for you tomorrow. All right, I'll, I'll uh, when we when we when we hang up, I'll uh, or when we when we turn no, the all off. seriousness though. You're right. I mean, I do. I'm 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 an, I'm a discriminating consumer of your uh, media content. You and and your colleagues there in the in the in the room at large. I I mean, I I think um, I'm pretty happy with how you guys have um, tried to hold rivera at all accountable and pressers and such i mean it's been so weird since he got here i mean you guys are having to do everything virtually i can only imagine that that's that's been a pretty big uh, shock to the system but um no i mean i think i think uh washington football media overall is uh keeping us well informed all right well good glad, glad to hear it um uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put that on the on, on the, uh, the the yelp review page that's that's good to know <laughs> Um, all right. In, in the last couple of seconds here, I, I got some standard questions. I asked people did, didn't warn you about this, but if you've listened to the podcast, you've been warned already. So good luck if you haven't. Um, here we go. Uh, you are a man who follows almost nobody on Twitter, but you do have a bunch of followers <laughs> on Twitter. Who is a person that does not follow you on Twitter that you wish did? I am a regular listener of the standing room only podcast band. And I knew this question was coming and I was hoping you would ask it because there's an obvious answer. Anyway, it's Terry McLaurin. The reason is that Terry McLaurin briefly did follow Burgundy blog last year, which made me very excited. Terry McLaurin, the captain, you know, I joked on Twitter, you know, even though this guy who, by the way, is half my age, uh, is, is uh, you know, when he followed me, I was very excited. I felt like I needed to be a better man, a better person, a better father and everything. And then about a week later, as as uh, as football players uh, are wont to do after um, experiencing uh, Burgundy blog for a few days, he uh, unceremoniously unfollowed. So if I could get Terry back, that would be a good boost for my ego. Uh, that that's a very good one. Uh, respect. Respect that one for sure. Um, who is your all-time favorite athlete? Bo Jackson, easy one. Um, obviously wish I could have seen him um, play out longer careers in both baseball and football. Um, but uh, he was a, he was definitely a hero of mine as a, as a kid. I read his uh, biography a few times when I was young and I just think he was the bomb. It's really, it's what he's one of those people. I think it's hard to explain to the younger generation because it wasn't just I mean, he was an insane college football player at, at, at a point in particular. College football is still a very big deal, but at a point when college football was a really like a, I think like all, well, whatever. It was college football still a big deal. Anyway, Bo Jackson was, you know, a, a titan in that sport. Then he, then he's a, he's an NFL running back with insane attributes. Oh, but by the way, I'm going to detour <laughs> and go over here and not just like, like there's been other athletes who have played both sports. He was an all-star outfielder yeah. for the for the Royals, like running up the wall. I mean, insane speed, insane power. And unfortunately, he had just a you know really terrible hip injury in the NFL that just ruined everything. Uh, and then not and even even of course, um, you know, you you probably recall that even his in, his in injury itself is is legendary because most people think that a, a typical mortal human would not have been able to rip their own hip joint out of socket without such prodigious force in his legs. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course, at the time, as a, as a commercial endorser, 
Like, I don't know right. if he was rivaling Jordan because, you know, that's a whole sort of thing. But it was, like, maybe debatable. Like, it, like Bo, yeah. knows Bo Knows was everywhere. I mean, that was an absolute topic. But he, Bo Jackson, absolutely a legendary uh, player that I feel like on some level has gotten a little bit lost to history. Uh, just because Yeah, his he, book is Bo Knows Bo. I recommend it to anybody. Um, all right. Um, what is a Hall of Fame that you qualify for based on a hobby or a habit? Ping pong. I would like to take on Tress Way and Dustin Hopkins and even Nick Sunberg, even though his time has come and gone, I guess, based on these stories I've heard about how good those guys have been in the locker room. But ping pong. um, Yeah. Anybody listening, I can beat all of you. I I mean, I'm not questioning you. All I can say is I've seen them up close and like any time that they would play ping pong, it was the most impressive athletic thing i saw including whatever i saw at practice <laughs> like i mean it was just insane watching watch i mean you know they're doing like the whole like 10 feet behind you know either end of the table just crushing it it was really i mean really good all all three of them but Tressway in particular well see what you can do maybe you can get me a game well i mean look we just had Tressway on this podcast so uh maybe, maybe that's the uh maybe maybe there's something i can do uh the, the, the standard room only invitational and uh, just invite you to. I'm sure Tressway has nothing at all better to do than to accept my challenge. You know what? Look, Tress is a family guy. He's got a wife. He's got kids. He's got a job. But honestly, you know what? what what's he doing? He's, he's the punter. He's not. He's, he's not to break down <laughs> tape the way like John Gruden is or something, right? You know, I mean, he's doing. He doesn't even thing. have anybody to snap it to him right now. It is weird. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. It was talking to him and asking him about like the long snapper, like what what's he look what's he look for in a long snapper was one of my funnier. <laughs> that was a deep dive. <laughs> yeah, it was really like, yeah, it was really, it was really like. I, I still remember the day when when Sunberg got released for the first time ever. I was like, oh my god, is there a list on the internet of a free agent long snappers? <laughs> is that a thing? There was. I found. I found it. I, who 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 uh, who who knew? Um. Well, I guess that's what they'll do with one of those two third-round picks. I will say it is it is possible that in my three-way mock draft, it is possible a long snapper made the cut. I'm just saying it's possible. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, it's possible. Um, speaking of that, I, I, what uh, I guess the, what, what we'll broaden it out like this. What's the, what's the thing in the first round of the draft, wherever it is that you're most excited or interested in uh, this year? Any team most interested to see? Yeah. Um, Any team, anything, any player, any scenario, anything. So, um, you know, probably Mac Jones. I mean, maybe that's the obvious one, but like, honestly, I, I will, you know, we, we got the Kyle Shanahan experience here more so than most of the country, but, um, even though it's now been weeks since that trade, I mean, how long over a month, I don't recall exactly. And all this time, I mean, from, from right after that, Mac Jones kind of got injected into the, into consideration there, you know, launched up from the depths of the second round. Um, Even though it's been, you know, he's, he's been in the discussion all that time. I mean, I still think that it's kind of crazy that it's like that it's more likely him than anyone else. And if it is, Hey, more power to Kyle. And if they plug him in there and that team gets back to the Super Bowl in the next couple of years, I mean, he um, he will have pretty good cause to uh, he'll, he'll have pretty good case that he is, in fact, the smartest one in the room. Uh, yes, 
Yeah, that it, it's a good point. I, I, I do think Mac Jones is being undervalued by people, regardless of whether it would be the right move for them, like in, based on having traded up and all that. I, I feel people are acting like Mac Jones is some bum, but yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. It's good. It's it'll be a fascinating one for sure. Uh, last question here for uh, Mr. Burgundy blog. Let's just go with this at 19. What's going to happen? I think it's Jeremiah Owusu. Koromoa, I think that he's the, um, I think he's Ron Rivera's next Shaq Thompson. And uh, I'll be very excited for it. Would you like to, um, w- would you get an Owusu Koromoa jersey? Do you, do you own, I don't even know, do you own jerseys with with players' uh, names and, and numbers? Uh, I'm not, I'm not really an independent purchaser of jerseys. I have some, they're all gifts. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I am still sort of in, do not give Dan Snyder any of my money mode. And I, I might, I might be in that, uh, situation for ever. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'd be happy to root hard for him. And, um, I've, I've got a, uh, my brother-in-law happens to be a big Notre Dame fan and he, he gave me the thumbs up on JOK. So, um, I think, uh, I think that would be a good pick. Hopefully he's there. It's it it would be a fascinating pick. I think uh, to me that's the most of the realistic options. To me that's the most fun pick. I mean, if you want to tell me Devonta Smith shows up, fine. But like, I mean, in terms right. of the actual ones that seem the most reasonable, th- that that one to me I think would be a lot of fun because it feels like he could take this defense to another level with his ability. But there's also some big risk there because he's not the biggest guy. Um, right. You are the one of the biggest. Uh, Washington football fan Twitter people around. So I appreciate the time you standing in there for the fans. Is there anything else you need to get off your chest? Ask me last chance before I let you go. Anything you got? I think we did a good job. Good. Awesome. All right. Uh, At Burgundy blog, you already know this. Appreciate it, man. Um, Look forward to not seeing you again some other time. That's right. Thanks, man. See ya. All right, there you have it. Many thanks to Burgundy Blog for his time. And, of course, thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. It's uh, It's been a, a fun ride here. We're not done yet with the NFL draft, but I guess effectively we're done with the pregame coverage of it. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. We've had a lot of great guests, and many thanks to all of them as well. Um, more to come here this week. Um, one way or the other, we'll, we'll, we'll do some podcasting. Like I said, just not 100% sure if it'll be Thursday night, but we'll have to see how that goes. Um, and, um, you know, more to come on The Athletic. Uh, always tweeting at Ben Standig, uh, and we'll, we'll hopefully we'll catch up one way or the other. And by the way, even when this draft is over, plenty of more to, to discuss. We'll have the post-draft uh, situation. We'll talk about the roster, uh, OTAs, all that stuff will be happening. And uh, I'm going to continue to podcast one way or the other. And also, you know, there is the Wizards, the hottest team in the world. Uh, We'll have them to discuss as well. So that's it for now on this episode of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Until next time, see ya.